You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be previewing Kentucky basketball's matchup with the Vanderbilt Commodores. And just right off the bat, I think this one is going to be a little bit more interesting than maybe some of you out there may be predicting it to be. With Liam Robbins, the center for the Commodores, back in the lineup, I think things are going to be very different on both ends of the floor for the way that Kentucky may want to attack the Commodores, how the Commodores may want to attack the Wildcats. I think it's going to be a fun one. We're going to be joined by Tristan Ferris of Kentucky Insider and Asia Blue to help us preview this one. So, without further ado, here is our conversation with Tristan Ferris. We are now excited to be joined by Tristan Ferris of Kentucky Insider and Asia Blue. Third week in a row, Ferris has hopped on the pod to help us preview another Kentucky Wildcats matchup. Tristan, today we've got Kentucky versus Vanderbilt. Last game out, Kentucky scored 69 points, but it was pretty efficient the way that the Wildcats kind of handled themselves in that contest. Kentucky got to the rim versus Vandy Pretty effectively last outing. It was their best outing for the Wildcats inside the arc against a Power 6 opponent this season. But things are a little bit different this time around, Tristan. Liam Robbins, the center for Vanderbilt, is going to be playing. He was not playing in the previous matchup, and he has been a force for them inside. First question I want to ask you, Tristan, as we start to preview this matchup. With Robbins back in this lineup, how does this team, this Kentucky team, attack Vanderbilt offensively? Is it any different? See, I feel the way they've been playing the last few weeks, they're more prone to attacking the rim. Obviously, that's more natural for Kaysen uh, Wallace and Chris Livingston. I mean, they're capable shooters, don't get me wrong, but they're they're much more natural getting to the rim. Um, with Robbins in there, he's seven foot, so he's going to bring some size. He's going to bring um, a little bit of a, a different uh, defensive front for, for Vanderbilt, but I still think that Kentucky's going to try to attack. Um, they've obviously brought Oscar out of the paint, brought him close to the three-point line, which has opened those driving lanes. Um, so if Liam, Liam Robbins, which I would assume would be on Oscar, um, maybe they play his own or something to, to try to stop the uh, stop the penetration. But if they bring him out along with Oscar, they're still going to be able to attack that rim and have success doing it. Um, I believe that's – if you look at the metrics uh, just for the month of February, obviously it's, it's only been a few games, but Kentucky's the third most efficient offense in the country. So getting to the rim – they have found success doing it, and I expect them to do so against Vanderbilt, even with Robbins. But obviously, like you mentioned, it's going to be a little bit different. This is a question that I did not have our, on our notes, but I want to kind of get your thoughts on this. This was a question I was asked on yesterday's episode of Locked On Kentucky, talking with Andy Patton. He asked me, with this run that Kentucky has had, with the success that they've had on offense, do you think that this is more of a player's finding their confidence, kind of hitting their stride thing, or is this all Coach Cal's doing, kind of putting these players in the right spots, kind of rejuvenating things from an X's and O's perspective? Who's to kind of blame, I guess, uh, for, for the success that Kentucky has had on offense recently? I think they share the blame. I think it's a little bit of both. So, obviously, you have Coach Cal. He's a Hall of Fame coach for a reason. Um, he told us back in November whether we wanted to believe it or not that this team was going to take time. Um, and I believe we, we now see what he means. It was just getting these guys confident, getting these guys in the roles 
where they're comfortable. Um, I mean, he preached all season about confidence. And, I mean, Auburn, you've seen every player on Kentucky's team show some confidence, show some confidence they haven't shown all season. So that was big. And I believe just that confidence and them being in the roles that they have found themselves in, you see the you see it in their play. I mean, Auburn, five starters had double-digit points. So they're succeeding um, in the positions they're being put in, and they're confident and comfortable at what they're doing. And they trust each other, they trust the game plan, and they trust Coach Cal. So it's just a recipe for success right now, and it's just all hands on deck uh, that's contributed to this run recently. You've got Liam Robbins obviously holding things down in the center, the anchor, if you will, no pun intended, for Vanderbilt. We talked about what he could maybe do uh, defensively against the Wildcats. What sort of threats does Robin pose to pose to Shibway? Obviously, you and I have talked before on this show about how Shibway occasionally struggles defensively uh, against certain things. Liam Robbins should be a very interesting player uh, for the Commodores in, ter- in terms of size matchup against Shibway, listed at seven feet, two hundred and fifty pounds. What sort of things could we expect from Robbins on the offensive end against Shibway? Yeah, like you mentioned, you mentioned uh, Robin's size. So just naturally, Oscar struggles with those kind of players. But Oscar's been on a tear of late. Uh, I know he's been two straight games with 20 and 15. Um, and this is an opportunity for him to do that against a, uh, a better defender um, and a more quality uh, force, uh, for lack of a better term. Obviously, Auburn has uh, Johnny um, Broom, but he's not. he doesn't have the size. Oscar had the advantage there, and then he played against Florida last week, and they just didn't really have Colin Castleton. They had some size, but just not size of skill. Um, he's going to go up against some size and skill against Robbins. Um, obviously, he's got that size. He possesses some good length that can bother him. Um, he's a decent, but not a great rebounder. He's kind of foul prone. Um, so I believe Oscar still has a good game. It's just up to him. Hopefully, this can be a confidence level building game for him going into the postseason that he can do that against a good uh, quality bid. All right, before we continue our conversation with Tristan Ferris, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, then you have got to try a Built Bar. You may ask yourself, what well, what makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, 100% Real chocolate, and they come in unbelievably great flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. So, kind of sounds like a candy bar, you may say. Well, in fact, it's actually not like that at all. What's great about Built Bars is they taste phenomenal, but they also have amazing macros. They're healthy for you. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. Absolutely great. They come in really, really good flavors as well, like the ones I just mentioned. But if you're a fan of the show, you know cookies and cream, salted caramel, those are elite, S-tier flavors at Built Bar. If you're going to get a box, if you're going to order it off of Built.com, you've got to try those too. But you don't have to wait around now to get a box. You don't have to go to Built.com. You can now go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. If you go to Walmart, you can get a four-bar box of cookies and cream and uh, double chocolate or coconut puffs. And if you're heading to Sam's Club, you can get a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie, batter, and churro. Again, absolutely phenomenal, tastes great, and they're even better for you. Like we mentioned, we got Liam Robbins here as an interesting force inside. You look at Vanderbilt, though, as a whole, offensively, one of the top 30 offenses in terms of adjusted efficiency in the country. That means they've probably got some other guys on the roster that we should be at least aware of heading into this game. Who are some of the other scores, some of the other guys that make an impact for this Vanderbilt offense? 
like you mentioned, Auburn, or I'm sorry, Vanderbilt's a top 30 offense. They've been on a tear of late. I believe they've won five of their last seven, two of their last seven, something like that. But two guys you're going to have to watch for um, outside of Robbins, who's their leading scorer. Tyron Lawrence, he's a pretty aggressive um, driver, especially on the left with his left hand. So you want to stay between him and the basket. Another one is Jordan Wright. He's a physical wing, has some good size. Uh, he can play inside and out, capable shooter, will get some touches in the post. But I think Kentucky's biggest uh, defensive key, they're going to have to keep Vanderbilt from the, uh, shooting well from the three-point line. They're going to have to limit them a little bit. Um, during this stretch, they've had five of the last seven games, they've hit 10 threes. Um, I don't know if that's sustainable, especially um, uh, given – hot or cold nights, but if last time I believe Kentucky held uh, Miles Stute and Trey Thomas to one of five from three, those are their Vanderbilt's two best three-point shooters, so as long as they can hold them um, to a reasonable percentage, I believe Kentucky is in pretty good shape, and if they have somebody like uh, I can't remember his name, he came into the game hitting seven threes all year, hit four, four in the game against Kentucky, as long as uh, they can hold the rest of them to that and allow uh, somebody that you don't re- expect or don't respect um, to go off for a three-point shooting night, then that's just something you got to deal with. Yeah, Vanderbilt, uh, like you mentioned, they do get a decent portion of their points from the three-point stripe. 35.1% is actually their most effective mark out of three-pointers, two-pointers, and free throws. You also mentioned Tyron Lawrence there, uh, arguably the second-best foul drawer on the drawer on this team outside of Liam Robbins. And also, you mentioned Malik Dia, who came off the bench and hit four of five threes against uh, the Wildcats the last outing. You look at Vanderbilt, though, overall, they shot 31% from the field, 35% from three, and you're absolutely right. I, th- I think it is about keeping this Commodores team off the three-point stripe, kind of making them drive and take some of their, those more uh, tough, contested shots inside. Now, with Robbins back in this lineup, I think it's going to be interesting to see how often they go to him as opposed to maybe kind of stretching things outside the arc. It's going to be, I think, a very intriguing offensive game plan. Uh, for the Commodores, now that they get a second crack at the Wildcats with, with I think, uh, uh, just a better overall, overall lineup because uh, Robbins is in. Uh, you look more at that box score, Tristan, from last time, and it was a pretty balanced outing uh, from the Wildcats scoring. You know, five players scored in double digits. Antonio Reeves off the bench led the way with 16. Shibway uh, had 15 points and uh, 13 rebounds in this game. Should we expect to see a, a similar result here, kind of a balanced scoring output from the team again, or do you think we're going to see maybe more players kind of take bigger roles in this one? Like you mentioned, Oscar Shibway's on a tear right now. I believe you're, you're going to see more of a balanced attack. Um, I think Saturday was kind of their one culmination of everybody playing well together. You had five starters scoring double figures, but that's what they want to do. Um, contrary to earlier in the season where this offense was either Kaysen or Oscar, or bust, now you have five guys legitimately every time you come down the court that can score. Um, and that's what Calipari wants. He wants a uh, multifaceted offense that can share the ball. I mean, if you look at the last uh, four of the last five games, they've had 16 assists, which he's uh, coined as a, a king uh, to win. Uh, so that is that is promising to see. So um, as long as they share the ball, um, you have five guys that can that can score. Obviously, they, they may not all be on, um, on on Wednesday night, so it could be an Oscar or Kaysen lean-on game. or I mean, you've even seen Antonio Reeves when they needed the most step up against Georgia and Ole Miss. Um, obviously, they lost to Georgia. But I believe you will see a, a 
five guys playing hard, and hopefully three or four of them can get in double figures. That game against Vanderbilt last time was one of the more more efficient games that Kentucky has had against a Power 6 opponent so far uh, this season. You talk about it being more of a scoring-balanced effort, and obviously, like I mentioned, Antonio Reeves led the way in points this last time these two teams played. Question to you here, Tristan. Does Reeves continue what has been a pretty hot streak for him uh, over these last uh, 15 games. I got the numbers here. Over his last 15, he's averaging 15.5 points. He's shooting almost 45% from the field and 44% from three. Do we expect Reeves to kind of continue what he's been doing from outside the arc in this one? It's going to be difficult. It's difficult for any player to, to sustain that uh, level of shooting, that, that much efficiency. Um, but He's been a scorer. He was a scorer at Illinois State. He's become mad at Kentucky. He has a lot more confidence than he had earlier in the season. Um, he, he was called the flamethrower on Saturday. So he's definitely in hitting his groove at the right time. Um, but it's going to be hard to sustain four made threes per game, which he's done three of the last five. But it's not an outlier. It's been a pattern here recently. So, um, like I mentioned, even when Kentucky's needing the most, Ole Miss Georgia, he stepped to the plate. Um, there's not been a game as of late where he's just – He's been a non-factor. Um, obviously, defense, and you're going to key in on him, especially uh, with March coming up and, and then the season Vanderbilt. Their only way to make the tournament pretty much is to go on a um, SEC tournament win. Uh, but I believe Antonio Reeves will keep a high level of play, whether that's four made threes per game. That's yet to be determined. I would find that hard to believe. But uh, like I said, it's it's a pattern now. It's not just an outlier. Absolutely. And the Wildcats right now, I mean, you talk about Antonio Reeves kind of being the one that's gotten things going here recently. Wildcats having won their last four straight, a blowout win over Auburn on Saturday, uh, this past Saturday. You got two more games left in the regular season, Tristan. You got Vanderbilt, obviously, like we're talking about. And then you got Arkansas on Saturday. I'm not suggesting that they are by any means. I would also I would argue that they aren't. But do you think this team is possibly... Uh, looking towards that matchup even just a little bit, knowing that if they pick up that win, it could be even bigger for what is already becoming a pretty strong resume all of a sudden. I don't believe they're um, looking ahead to it. I know Calipari's kind of preached the one game at a time, and there's been times this season where they've needed that just because of where they've been. And even after the Rudy game, not a lot of people thought they'd push themselves back from the NCAA tournament, which they have. Um, but I believe after tomorrow night, Arkansas is going to be the key focus um, this time they had Nick Smith Jr., uh, who's, who's definitely gotten back to, to what we thought he would be, 24 points, 26 points in his last two, one of those against Alabama, and a game they arguably should have won. Um, so I believe talking to them after the game, um, last time they played Arkansas at Rupp, they, they're kind of motivated to do the same to them at Bud Walton Arena. So they're definitely going to get up for that game. Um, but I do think Arkansas' athleticism does pose uh, a little bit of a mismatch well, Kentucky did play them fairly well in the first half, but I believe this uh, second matchup is just going to be a little bit different. Obviously, they're both playing at a, at a high level, playing probably the two or three best uh, uh, teams in the SEC right now, uh, including Alabama. So it's going to be a high-level game, and they got guys playing well right now. It's going to be interesting to see how the Wildcats finish it out. Vanderbilt versus Kentucky tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern time on the SEC Network. It's going to be an interesting one with Liam Robbins back in the lineup. Tristan, before I give you one more question about Kentucky's bracketology, kind of give me your final thoughts on this game. I'm not going to ask you to give me a score prediction unless you just feel like it, but kind of take me in the direction that you think this one against the Commodores is going to go. 
Yeah, I think uh, you're going to see a good game out of Jacob Toppin and Oscar Shebley. Uh This will probably be the last time those players both play at Rep Arena, um, not just together but individually. I believe they're both leaning to, to go there to leave the program at the end of the season, whether that's to go pro overseas, NBA. Um, so I believe they're going to be motivated to put on a, on a good show for the Rep Arena crowd. Um, and just to put on a show for themselves, I think they, they need to sustain this level of confidence and sustain this level of play to keep going. They're, uh, they're very fragile in that, in that mental toughness. So if they were to, to get hit in the mouth, it's not ideal, especially with Arkansas coming up, um, which is assumed to be a loss. But, um, I think you just you're going to see some toughness, some grit tomorrow, and I think you'll see a good performance out of Kentucky and and solidly win. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one against the Commodores. Uh, final question here to you, Tristan, before we let you get out of here. Kentucky is now a six seed in the latest bracketology from Joe Lenardi at ESPN. I know that you and I have discussed Kentucky and kind of talked about their ceiling uh, in March Madness, and you've kind of continued to refrain on the fact that this team can truly go. As far as they feel like going, the ceiling is just kind of in question here. But realistically, uh, kind of be kind of level with me here, looking at kind of how this thing may play out for the Wildcats. Do you see them getting any higher or finishing any higher at the end of the SEC tournament, or do you think that the sixth seed is probably where the Wildcats are going to end up? Uh, I think the six or seven seed is just most likely. I, like I said, I think they, they beat Vanderbilt, but I think Arkansas is a loss. If they can win that game, that would be great for the resume. I think that may push them on the borderline of five seed, and if they can make a good run in the SEC tournament. Um, so it's not off the table for a five seed, but like I said, that six or seven seed is more likely, and which is great. Uh, a month ago, a lot of people didn't even think they would able to be able to get that high, but just staying out of that eight nine range is ideal because you don't have to play the one or two seed in the second round. You can you can hold that off to the second weekend. So um, I believe a six is where I would predict, but I would like to see them get that five. Well, Tristan, really appreciate you hopping on once again. Going to try and have you on next week as we get closer and closer to the SEC tournament. Tristan, tell everybody where they can find your amazing content and your Twitter, man. Yes, sir. My, Trist, uh, my Twitter is Tristan Muta. Um, you can find my content on Kentucky Insider. Uh, that's KY Insider on Twitter or a sea of blue with SB Nation. And once again, I appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm glad to come on every week. Absolutely. Thank you so much again, Tristan. That is Tristan Ferris of Kentucky Insider and a sea of blue helping us preview Kentucky basketball's matchup with the Vanderbilt Commodores tomorrow. All right, that was our conversation with Tristan Ferris of Kentucky Insider and a sea of blue. Really appreciate him hopping on for the third week in a row, actually, uh, that we've had Tristan on. Again, if you have not taken a look at his work or followed his Twitter, the links to those in the, or will be in the description below. He's doing a great job on Twitter right now, doing a great job also over at KY Insider and Asia Blue, kind of getting things ready here as we get closer and closer to the SEC tournament. Once again, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, throwing down tomorrow. It's going to be a big one for the Wildcats as they try and not slip up and continue their hot streak to end the year. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. You can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.